Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from the Apple. Uh, just me today. Going to go ahead and run through uh, Tuesday's news, Monday and Tuesday's news. I'm recording this around 5 p.m. on Tuesday afternoon or evening. It's already dark out, which sucks, but such is the uh, the time of the year. So on Monday night, um, we finally heard that the Mets had, have apparently found their general manager, uh, Billy Epler long-time protege of Brian Cashman in the Bronx, uh, long tenure in Los Angeles with the Angels. Uh, there are concerns there. At first, my, my knee-jerk reaction to the news was, oh, this is just more of the same nonsense. Um, it felt very much like the old boys club just coming together and doing their thing. And maybe there was some of that involved because landing on Epler, who's a um, – you know, it, he's well-respected, but he's been around the block. He's in the same – it just – on the surface, it didn't feel kosher. Uh, speaking to some friends with ties to Los Angeles, with ties to his previous stops, every, the, the reviews that I'm hearing back on the baseball side of things is that Epler is just terrific at his job. In Los Angeles – I think, uh, you know, my initial reaction was, how do you not build around the greatest player of, uh, I mean, definitely of our generation, arguably of all time, in Mike Trout? How do you not make the postseason once? How do you not build a, a championship ball club around this, the centerpiece player of all centerpiece players? Yes, um, he came into it with Pujols' giant albatross contract on the books, that's not easy to deal with. My beef, where I was taken aback and still am at the time I was, and I'm still now in this, you know, hindsight, of course. But Anthony Rendon, uh, that wasn't a player that the Angels needed to go out and get. You know, all signs point to the Angels' owner, Artie Moreno, who's notoriously um, a meddler uh, on the same level as the Wilpons, if not more. That he, he had a lot to do with saying, oh, we want this star. Well, you know, we, we all know how that story goes. We saw the Wilpons kind of dictate things from the ownership box, and and, and it sucks. And, and maybe was Epler caught up in that storm? Certainly possible, and I wouldn't um, – I wouldn't doubt it. So I'm going to give his baseball stuff a pass. Again, everything we're hearing about him as far as – well, everything I've heard about him as far as what he's done and the connections you make with players and all the important things that you would hope for in a GM between the stat stuff, the analytic stuff. It's, you know, it's a 10 of 10. I'm very happy on that side. Again, I'm going to give him, uh, give him a pass for working with Moreno. Um, <laughs> you know, all you have to do is add pitching to that team. You don't need to go out and Rendon. If you go uh, to, and get Rendon, if you go out and get quality starting pitchers. Now they had, you know, 
a solid staff, but it was all homegrown guys. You're hoping for the best. Um, you know, when when Tyler Skaggs passed away, that was huge. He had a very bright future. We'll, we'll touch on that because that's part of where my concern lies. But it, it was, um, you know, it, it like I said, at first, very uh, jarring. But I'm coming around to the baseball aspect of things. That all being said, uh, there are um, red flags. I, I, you know, all right, so everyone's familiar with the Mickey Calloway saga, his uh, just ab- abhorrent behavior, his the reputation that, that preceded him as reported the worst kept secret in baseball. Uh, after he left the Mets, or after he was let go by the Mets, he was hired in Los Angeles by reportedly directly by Billy Epler um, to be the team's pitching coach. And and many have pointed out that, that Joe Madden, the manager of the angels um, was very much uh, a proponent or a component in, in that process and, and suggesting to hire Callaway. They were, they were buddies, whatever, whatever, what may, whatever have you. But the fact that, uh, uh, you know, a phone call was all it would have taken to do a little, just do your due diligence on Callaway. A phone call, just to, to check up on, uh, you know, anything. They, it, it, this was, what, 2019? Like, this isn't far removed from, uh, was it 20? No, it was 2020. My apologies. So, I mean, this is, these are things you check up on. And either they didn't check up on them, or they knew and didn't care. You have to assume Epler was in on that conversation, right? I, I mean, it's a... Um, I, it, it took me back to Moneyball, where the, the old scout says, you know, we make suggestions, he makes decisions, referring to Billy Bean. But that's that's how it works. If Joe Madden makes a suggestion to hire Mickey Calloway, Billy Epler makes a decision based on the suggestion. They, you know, it, it's something that was probably avoidable. Um, I'd like to know what the that process was about. And you have to take into consideration that the Mets reportedly um, are, their vetting process is being conducted by three separate independent firms. You have to assume, unless that's all just lip service, that this was, you know, this was cleared by them. If that's the case, great, cool. But I'd certainly like it to be addressed in his introductory press conference. Hopefully that's going to be this week. Uh, the hire is, by the way, it's not official yet as of Wednesday at 5 o'clock. But uh, all signs are pointing to it. So I'm just going to go ahead and go in that direction. But, you know, and that's not really where it ends. Um, the Angels handling of the events leading up to Tyler Skagg's death, who died of a drug overdose, Um yeah, while in a team hotel after allegedly receiving drugs from a team employee in July 2019, you know, that the the level of, of <laughs> disturbing that that is, it is, it puts the Callaway stuff, you know, it dwarfs it. And that's, that's, that's saying a lot. Um, you know, whether Epler was directly connected to either of these things is, you know, it's not for us to speculate on because we are the most outside perspective on this. We're only going on what makes it to the news. But I, I sincerely hope that these vetting firms, these these you know independent firms, are did their homework and were. I sincerely hope that they were actually asked to do this homework because it's this is important. Um, 
besides the Mets not needing another scandal and the league not needing another scandal, potential victims, that's who we should be more concerned with, is that the, the people who are directly affected by news that might come out or the people who were who had similar experience and then re-traumatized by this stuff coming out. That's who the team and the league, that's it's the, your fans who you should be concerned about. You know, this is harrowing stuff for a lot of people. And the, the Callaway stuff, the Porter stuff. Women deal with creeps like this. I'm trying not to curse. Women deal with creeps like this all the time. And, um, and this, these types of reports hit home and it's, uh, Christina Montana, who put together just a, a remarkably powerful piece regarding the state of women, not just within the game of baseball, she touches a lot on that, but being a, a fan of the game in these times. And this was probably from almost, well, we're, we haven't been in, in business a year yet, but very early days of the Apple. So go back to like February, March, I assume. You can go go look on it. Maybe I'll, I'll link it in the... Uh, in the, the description, if I remember, but you know, this is, these are, these are things that have to be addressed. These are things that have to be the homework that has to be done. And, and, you know, and I know we got back to the, to the, the Callaway thing, but on the Skag side of thing, I mean, that, that hits home for, for me, that hits home for so many people who have been touched by addiction, whether directly or a family member or a friend. You know, if the organization, which if you look into reports, I know James Wagner from the New York Times, real, I think this past summer, um, put a timeline together of the events and it, it, the optics of it are not great. Um, again, a lot, that's very a heavy subject for me to speculate on. Um, but if the, the organization knew that one of their employees was selling drugs, not just to players, but to, um, people at the stadium per reports, I mean, he was like going on your, you know, your basic websites and chat rooms and shit and, and, and saying, oh, I got drugs for sale. Like that's... And he was in he was in treatment, which you know we don't shame treatment here. The first step out of hell is the most important one. But maybe you shouldn't have access to players if you're already suspected. Yeah, you know, just it's a storm. It's a shitstorm. I was trying to avoid cursing, but it's just a. Oh, sorry. I hope you guys are about to hear an ambulance go by. Hope everyone's okay. Oh, it sounds really close. I still see the lights. Anyway, um. You know, this is, <laughs> it, it's a very sensitive subject for a lot of people. If the organization knew and put this player in danger, um, they're, you know, arguably culpable or, you know, negligent or, neg you know, they're liable in his death. And you have to assume that as the general manager, this is something that Billy Epler possibly, you know, caught wind of. And, I just, I hope all of these questions were answered. I sincerely hope that they got all the right answers and did not overlook possible bad answers. I just, you know, enough is enough with regards to these things. Um, if there's really going to be culture change, they had, they have to get this higher right. There's no other way around it. Um, this is, it's, 
beyond time. But uh, we're going to take a uh, – you know what? We're not going to take a very quick break. I'll stick an ad in the beginning. We're only doing a quick 20-minute episode. Let's just bang through this one. Our other big news on Tuesday came in. Everyone expected Noah Syndergaard, after receiving the qualifying offer, to take that qualifying offer. He hasn't pitched in two years. Um, well, he pitched. He came back and pitched two innings at the end of this season, which was I, I thought was a really, really encouraging step. We've talked about it here on the show in the past. He worked his way all the way back, uh, you know, had multiple setbacks, got himself healthy enough to get into game shape, got got some action at the end of the year. Didn't look especially sharp, but um, his velo wasn't quite there. He wasn't allowed to throw a slider. I think he snuck one in the his last uh, his second appearance or second inning. But, um, it, you know, I – I'll put go ahead and hang my hat on it. I fully expected him to take the qualifying offer. Well, the Los Angeles Angels um, did not, uh, you know, they, they, I guess they didn't get the memo. <laughs> and uh, they offered, and apparently he had other suitors as well, but they offered Noah Syndergaard one year at $21 million, which was, of course, more than the $18.4 million that he was going to get via the qualifying offer. And, uh, Per Jeff Passan of ESPN on Tuesday, they came to agreement on those terms. And per uh, pending physicals, which I believe Syndergaard was reportedly taking on Tuesday, uh, he'll be pitching in Los Angeles for a season, which is, again, very, very shocking, very surprising. This is uh, unexpected, to, to say the least. So... You know, everybody knows the history with, with Noah. Uh, hit his absolute peak. Um, was untouchable, lights out, you know, throwing absolute thunderbolts out of his right hand. And uh, the Tommy John surgery, well, first it was the lat injury, then the Tommy John, and, you know, there were setbacks. And even when before the Tommy John, he had trouble finding the, the dominance was there, the stuff was there, the consistency and the results weren't always there. And, you know, maybe over time that would have came back, but then the Tommy John and, you know, and I'm not. I'm. I think everybody can say this that we love Noah Syndergaard. He, no matter when he was healthy, if he was not healthy, if he was dealing, if he wasn't dealing, he was just a a great Met. He was uh, active on Twitter. He's messing with the fans. His thing with Rich Staff was fun. Like, it's um, it's a shame to see him go. That all being said, for you know, a team in the Mets position. It, <sighs> Yeah, yeah, you just you have to think that this could be a blessing. Uh, that at least that's how I see it. And this isn't even from a you know a, a, a Tim Ryder optimistic all the time standpoint. This is baseball and business operations wise. This is this is good. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, so $18.4 million is unquestionably a gamble for any pitcher uh, on on the qualifying offer because you don't always know what you're going to get. Look at Marcus Stroman last season. A lot of people were very up in arms that the Mets gave him the $18.4 million. Of course, you know, that's a chance for the player to go out and prove his worth and go ahead and parlay that into a big deal. And, and Stroman, you know, pulled that off to a T. Syndergaard's a different story. He, um, again, he missed all that time. It, it, it's it's really incom- not really comparable to any other situation because, you know, giving him the qualifying offer, of course, is the Mets, the smart decision on their part. And um, they get protection from the dra- with the draft pick, but everyone kind of expected him to take the qualifying offer. The Angels swoop in. All that risk that the Mets were assuming by paying Syndergaard that much money not really knowing what they're going to get. The Angels assume all of that risk now at more than he was going to get from the Mets at $21 million. Now, we heard, I guess, after the reports came out that uh, Toronto, the Yankees, and the Red Sox were in. Someone was up at $25 million, Peter Gammon said. <laughs> he actually noted that a former Mets official gave him that information. I don't think he meant to include that in his tweet, but... Uh, Peter Gowans is a Boston writer, so you could probably put two and two together there. But so Syndergaard's getting all this this action. Uh, apparently, the Mets did not were not given the um, the opportunity to to match or, or or you know beat the Angels or anyone's offer for that matter. Uh, that that report came out via ooh, Lennon, yeah, Dave Lennon at Newsday. So. Even if the Mets were given the opportunity to match that offer, personally, if it's my decision, I, I I thank Noah for his time here. I thank him for all the dedication he put into getting himself healthy again. But go get your money, young man. That's that's a nice payday. And from the Mets' perspective, it you know let's let's assume that they already had money earmarked for Marcus Stroman or someone of that ilk. Uh, just uh, one of the, the the upper echelon free agents, the free agent pitchers available. Let's assume they are had money. They already had some some funds set aside for that. Well, now you got an extra eighteen point four million to spend to fill out your rotation. That's not ten million. That's not going out and finding Taiwan Walker during spring training money. That's going out and you know turning what would have been a eighty million dollar deal for a you know, four years of John Gray 
into what amounts to a $60 million deal over four years for a John Gray. And I, I'm not necessarily a John Gray fan, but let's say he goes out and gets $20 million. I think maybe he's in that neighborhood. I'm not putting that number out there as a as a prediction, but just a, just an example. You know, you chip in that $18.4 million towards a higher-end starting pitcher, and you go out and get a Marcus Stroman or someone else of that level, which now you can because you have the money, and – you still have a – well, this is going to be the Mets' fourth draft pick in the top 100 in next year's draft between uh, – and they don't even have Conforto's draft pick coming in. If that's going to be number five, they, so they have the replacement pick from uh, the kid from Vanderbilt who didn't sign. Yeah, I'm not the draft guy here, but right now it's at four. And when Conforto signs elsewhere, that's going to be five draft picks in the top 100. might even be in the top 90. I'm not sure, but um, – that, that's, you know, that's tremendous. So not only are you giving away the risk to Los Angeles, you're able to kind of divert those funds to a a much safer, you know, a much safer and a much wiser course of spending. You're going out and, and let's say you get strong. Let's say, because he's going to have a lot of competition. This pitching market's already wild. His market's going to be bonkers. Let's say the Mets do have the inside track and they can go in and get and get Stroman for $25 million a year, which, you know, let's just say 5 to 125 That's the number that we've kind of had out there for a while. With the way the market's going, it might even go higher. But let's say you get Stroman for 5 125 $25 million a year. That means you're still going out there looking for, let's say the Mets tack on another $1.5 million and say, hey, we're looking for a $20 million pitcher. Like, you know, that's top of the line or close, damn close to it. What did Berrios, uh, Berrios just re-upped with Toronto to, on Tuesday. So they're going to pay him his final arbitration year, $11 million, and then pay him $20 million a year for six years after that. So it's a seven-year extension in, in, in full. That's, um, you know, Ber- Berrios has a an extremely high ceiling. and I love his stuff. I love him as a pitcher, but... The results haven't always been there. If he's getting $20 million a year, you know, again, this is money that can be appropriated towards a very high potential and much less riskier player, a pitcher than a guy like Noah Syndergaard, who, again, all respect to him, and I hope he does great in Los Angeles. I really do. I'm rooting for him. $18.4 million for a guy who hasn't pitched in two years was a gamble. And, yeah, the Mets have Steve Cohen now. They can afford to gamble. Yeah, sure, they could afford to gamble, but – if you can get out of that, great, go for it. Like that's you don't want to risk money. You know, taking risks is good in business. Actively seeking risk is not it's not ideal. It's not the way you want to go. I, I have seen people make a comp, make I guess a comparison to Zach Wheeler, to him leaving and letting him walk away. I don't see any way to kind of compare those situations. Um so let's take Zach Wheeler into account. Zach Wheeler missed two full seasons with Tommy John surgery, came back in 2018, um, I guess late 2017, but 2018 and 2019, reestablished, well, reestablished himself, actually just kicked it into another gear and showed that, boy, you know, Zach Wheeler really is the first round pick that everyone thought he was. He wasn't making. $18 million in either of those seasons. He was still playing out his his arbitration years. 
once the Mets had to make a decision on him, of course, they made the wrong decision. Of course, they should have invested in Zach Wheeler, but they had two years to see Zach Wheeler after missing two seasons to to figure out if they wanted to resign him. And of course, you know, that was a Wilpon Brody special. I mean, they, they put their foot in their mouth, swallowed it and let it come out the other side with that one. Um, you know, he's in, in, in many people's opinions, he should win the national league Cy Young award this week, whether that happens or not is to be determined, but he was a workhorse, but that, that's, that's besides the point. We could do a whole show about Zach Wheeler. We're big Zach Wheeler fans here. But Zach Wheeler leaving, well, letting Zach Wheeler walk is absolutely nothing like the Mets letting Noah Syndergaard walk. We don't, nobody knows what Noah Syndergaard's going to be next year. Nobody. Maybe the Angels saw something they liked. Maybe the Mets saw something that they liked and they, and they really didn't have a chance to, to make an offer, to at least, you know, match the offer, I should say. You know, he couldn't, he wasn't allowed to throw his breaking stuff. You have to assume that he's working his way towards back, towards that. His velocity was down during one of his final press conferences. He was asked about the velocity, and he was pretty clear that um, he didn't know if it was there or why it wasn't there, but these things take time. And, you know, I don't want to speculate, but you, you saw in his face that he didn't know the answer to why the Vila wasn't there. And that's, you know, it'll come back with time. And sure, guys coming back from Tommy John – the velo does come back over time, but what if it doesn't? What if he can't throw that break, that slider anymore? What if he has to rely on a breaking ball, on a curveball that maybe he doesn't have feel for? You know, that changeup is nasty, disgusting. Um, if he can <clears throat> transform into a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, nasty changeup pitcher, great. Every pitcher has to go down that every v, every high velo pitcher has to go down that path at some point if they want to stay in the game. Paying Noah Syndergaard eighteen point four million dollars to hopefully, you know, find his way because I mean, if he's going, if he's going to be making this transition from power pitcher to to from thrower to pitcher in twenty twenty two, the Mets are paying eighteen point four million dollars for a transition period. Sure, if he can snap right back into form, you know, of course he'll be missed. Great pitching is always needed. But for $21 million, it wasn't, at least to me, it's, that's, that's, that's a price too high, man. That's, that's too rich for my blood. Like, I, I honestly do hope it works out great for Noah. I hope it works out good for the Angels. And I hope the Mets can reappropriate the, these funds um, efficiently because now they have options. And everybody knows we love options. But... Oh, for goodness sake, you have to wonder what um what comes next. As long as the Mets go out and, and approach the draft with all these draft picks wisely, which I have full confidence they will. The the team that's been drafting, um, uh, Tommy Tanis, I've been saying his name wrong forever. I believe it's Tommy Tanis. I might still be getting it wrong, but who knows? Uh Mark Tremuda, who's been on, who I guess he, we spoke to him at the Apple recently. You know, their their scouting departments, their amateur scouting, their, you know, what goes into their drafting has been nothing short of phenomenal. They've drafted absolutely terrifically. <laughs> That's a lot of whys, but uh, it, you know, I, I'm fully confident that they can go out and and you know, really, really reel in a nice haul with 
all these top high-end draft picks. As far as the money, um, I, I, you know, I hope that the Mets can go out and, and spend it wisely. There are good pitchers out there. Uh, you know, Stroman, of course, I think that's everybody's number one pick. Bring him back. He's the perfect complement to Jacob deGrom being the number one. We saw it last year that he could slide into that number one role if Jake goes down. And, you know, you have to consider that Jake's coming off a, a ligament tear in his elbow. He says he's fine. I, we all have to trust him that he's fine. But, you know, you have to have a, a really, really good insurance policy at number two. And I think Strowman would be that guy. I mean, unless you're going out and spending what people are saying, you know, Max Scherzer is going to get something like $35, $40 million a year for three years. That's wild. That being said, should the Mets entertain it? Of course. It's great to have Max Scherzer in your rotation. Are you going to spend like drunken sailors now? You know, there's always a, there's a time and place for everything. If Max Scherzer's out there and wants to come to New York, sure, you entertain it. But now you have, like I said, you have an extra $18 million to, to play with. And let's say Max Scherzer wants $120 million over three years. Well, minus eighteen point four million. Now you're giving him, you know, one hundred one point six over four over three years, and that's a lot more palatable. Again, this gives the Mets options, and we love that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be giving up a, a just very very little bit of a, a very little bit of money on the on the ad space in the middle of the show this week. I, I don't mind that, but uh, you know, it was nice to talk to you guys. It's been weekly shows since the season ended. Uh, I've been trying to come out on Tuesdays. I was actually going to take take a week off because nothing was really cooking. But lo and behold, uh, Tuesday morning, stuff started cooking. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that. And then, then we have December 1st, the end of the CBA. And, oh, my goodness, there's going to be a, a fractured off season. Who knows? You know, honestly, the odds of the Players Union and the league Working something out before December 1st is probably slim to none. I wouldn't be totally shocked if something happens. I, I think a, a work stoppage is the last thing anybody wants at this point. I know we talked about it in previous shows. We're not going to delve into it, but it's just so bad optically. And, you know, avoid it at all costs. On that note, I think we got a solid 30 minutes out of this one. It's a nice little uh, reacquaintance. We'll see you guys very soon. I believe we'll have a pretty cool guest, uh, guest coming back uh, for our next episode. So uh, I'm not going to spoil that just yet until we have confirmation. But, uh, yeah, it should be a fun one. And, yeah, you guys know where to find us. You know the sign-off, too. Let's fucking go Mets. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Yeah!